Father God, we come and we sit uh, before you. Uh, we sit under these words that are exceedingly strange, uh, are hard to accept, uh, give us all kinds of questions. And Lord, I recognize that as we come here um, on this Mother's Day, Lord, we come from all kinds of different places. Some of us are here and filled with joy, uh, filled with thanksgiving, filled with gratitude. Lord, I recognize, though, that others have come in this room and are weighed down with grief and sorrows, anxiety and physical pain, concerns, worry, sadness, longings that are unfulfilled. And Lord, I pray, therefore, that whatever place we find ourselves in, whether we are here in joy or in sorrow, whether we are here believing in you, and, and even though these words are hard, we are desperate to see and to listen and to hear a word of grace and instruction from them. Lord, or whether we're here and we don't believe in you, uh, and these words confirm that, uh, the strangeness and difficulty of these words confirm that, Lord. What, whatever place we find ourselves in today, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we do all ultimately come the same. We pray, O oh God, that you would show us the light of Christ, that the light of Christ would, would shine upon our souls and our lives our families, that, that all, all that we are facing this morning would be informed by his word and his presence. Would you show us these things because we ask them in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, good morning and welcome. Great to be with you uh, as we get back into our sermon series that we're calling A Sinner After God's Own Heart. And I wanna address the main question that you have this morning, okay? What in the world is wrong with Darren? that he's doing this passage today. <laughs> what in the world is wrong with Darren? Well, that requires too long of an answer for me to go into thoroughly enough, but um, I wanna try to set this up for you in this way. The, the heart of our sermon series is really concerning the life of David. And I find that life of David to be so captivating because David is portrayed as a man after God's own heart, someone that God deeply and richly and profoundly approves of. Yet, David is also presented as one of the greatest sinners of all time. And to understand this teaching and to understand the, the questions that this raise, how is it that you can be uh, a woman after God's own heart or a man after God's own heart, right? Or child following Christ and at the same time be a sinner. To understand the weight of this question, the only way to do so is to really go back and understand the contrast between David's predecessor, Saul, and himself. And this passage brings up a number of things that are very difficult for us to appreciate and to understand. And I want to recognize that. I want to say at first that part of the challenge here is that this is a culture and a community and a circumstance that's extremely far removed from things that you and I are facing. Right? We did not live through uh, the history of the people of Israel and the things that what they went through. So, for example, uh, it, seems, it seems barbaric and harsh, God's instructions to Saul. But nevertheless, do, does any of you really appreciate who the Amalekite people were and what they did? I wonder. Is anyone here saying, you know, I really, I really feel the weight of what it meant like to live in constant fear uh, of these people. So these people, I'll give you a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, Amalek is one of the longest running enemies of the people of Israel. They were known for guerrilla warfare, right? So they were a nomadic people and they were gifted at 
uh, basically attacking by surprise. And guess what one of their favorite tactics was uh, whenever they would attack people that they had a problem with, which was most pointedly at the people of Israel. Guess what one of their favorite tactics? Go after the women and the children. That's what they would do. In fact, um, God tells Israel repeatedly to blot out this people. He tells them in Exodus. He tells them in Deuteronomy. He tells them here. And it doesn't happen until uh, way later on, until a king named Hezekiah. Uh, the Amalekite people will actually capture David's wife, one of, one of his wife and his children, right, as they repeat this tactic. And so these were a people uh, that were involved in things that would absolutely make your blood boil. So as we read these words and these strange words, my heart to you is not to tell you to say it a hearty amen, but it is to recognize with a little bit of humility the distance that we have from where we sit and where these folks sat. The other thing that's interesting is that uh, Israel really didn't obey this command, not up until hundreds of years later with the time of Hezekiah. And you know what seems to happen, right, over and over again? They never go away, <laughs> right? They, they're like, ah, oh, we're just going to like deal with them 90%. And there was something about the culture of this people where their tactics and their hatred for Israel and the destruction that they would wreak, the, the ways in, uh, Samuel uses this language in this passage, he says, your people are known for making women childless. It's one of the crimes that they had. And it would keep going on and on and on. They would have these battles, but they wouldn't uh, listen to what God would say. And then on and on and on, uh, this problem would come back and back and back again until finally uh, it is dealt with by the Simeonites in the time of Hezekiah. So I want to get that out of the way. It's actually not a huge part of the point here, but I do want to address it because it is a question that is rightfully raised. The question that I'm addressing is this, right? Why is it that David gets to be a sinner after God's own heart for sinning in some fairly explosive ways, but why is it that Saul, who seemingly, okay, he didn't kill the king, he, he kept some of the animals, right? Why is it that Saul is treated with such harshness? And friends, this is, the, this is the heart of the question that I want to try to bring into your everyday life, right? Your everyday, the, the guilt that you feel maybe today as you reflect on, man, what are the things that I failed at this week? This is the heart of this question. Why is it that one person gets to be a sinner after God's own heart and the other person is someone for whom God has profound regret, right? That's the heart of this question. And I think that unlocking the key to this is one of the keys to walking with God in joy, even, even as you walk with him as a sinner. So let's get into it this morning. Let's try to make some observations about who Saul is and, and how, this is, how God is coming to the point of regretting making him king and, all the, and some of the questions that that raises. I won't do all of them, but some of the questions that that raises. So what's going on here? First of all, so the first thing that I want to point out to you, right, is that Saul starts by not uh, consuming, not devoting to destruction the best of the property of the people of Amalek, right? That's really like he, he spares the king and he spares the money, basically. When you hear animals, think currency, think cash or Ethereum, right? Think some kind of cold, hard currency 
that's going on here. He comes in there and he says, you know, I'm going to you know, take care of these people, but I'm going to spare the king and I'm going to spare the money. And it's interesting, right? Because, you know, when you read this passage, you think, you know, I would have been tempted to, to spare other things, right? What's going on here? And of course, what's going on uh, is one of the oldest running sins uh, that we do face. And that is that the scriptures are uh, intent to present to us that there is this in, there is a, the, uh, this circumstance where greed just tends to pop up in our souls and in our lives when we don't expect it, right? I wonder how many of you came in this morning, you know, as you were wondering, what is it, how is it that Patrick is going to lead us in confession? How many of you said, you know, I really hope he addresses my greed? Is any, did anyone think that? I'm just really curious. Did anyone walk in here and say, you know, Darren, you know, this, you know, we, we get complaints sometimes about church, believe it or not, right? I'll tell you one complaint I've never received. Actually, one time I did was, Darren, you don't talk about greed enough. I have never gotten that, well, except for once. One time I got that complaint, right, as I'm, as I'm thinking. 